All eyes on Washington, D.C. this week as President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris set to be inaugurated on Wednesday, January 20th. Wednesday's highly anticipated event will take place just three weeks after the bloody right-wing insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, which left five dead and dozens injured. Thousands of troops have been stationed in the Capitol where armored military trucks are parked in the middle of the streets to block traffic and subway stations and roads are closed. Uh, Meanwhile, CNN is reporting that the FBI on Monday um, sent out an alert to law enforcement agencies that QAnon, um, people who follow QAnon, believe in QAnon, are discussing acting as National Guard soldiers in Washington, D.C., as they try to infiltrate uh, the inauguration. And this was reported also in the Washington Post. And the FBI also said it has monitored people downloading maps of sensitive areas around Washington. And they're also discussing how these um, locations could be utilized to penetrate uh, security. So a lot of concerns there. The in- intelligence a report warning that QAnon members and individual people functioning as lone wolves have uh, said that they plan to travel to Washington, D.C. Uh, for the inauguration. Um, but um, meanwhile, the acting secretary of defense, Christopher Miller, he is saying that, quote, There's no intelligence indicating an insider threat, okay? Uh, That was also their attitude (laughs) before the invasion of the U.S. Capitol. Now, I'm really uh, delighted to um, welcome our guest, uh, Katia Stitt, who is the program director of WPFW Pacifica Radio, our sister station in Washington, D.C. Katia, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Margaret. It is an honor and a pleasure. Okay, Katia, let us just go to a short clip now about the FBI vetting the National Guard. This is from WGN News. Hey, good morning. Now, we've all heard about these threats of violence coming into U.S. capitals across the state, but now we're starting to hear that the U.S. defense is worried about the potential of an insider attack happening on Wednesday's inauguration. Now, right now, the threat is prompting the FBI to vet all 25,000 National Guard troops that are going to D.C. for Wednesday's inauguration. The vetting comes after January 6th violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol by pro-Trump rioters. The potential threat was made known yesterday by Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy. He says that officials are cautious and warned commanders to be on the lookout for any problems from within their ranks. Now, 25,000 National Guard members are coming from all states and territories, making it at least two and a half times the number of previous inaugurations. Now, the vetting includes the FBI running people's names through a database and watch list maintained by the Bureau to see if anything alarming comes up. Our members of the National Guard addressed the threat of an insider attack while protecting the Capitol over the weekend. Here's what they had to say. We're a community-based organization. We're here to protect the citizens of the United States just as much as we are the seat of our government. So no one should fear us unless they have ill will in their heart. So every guardsman takes an oath, and it's to defend the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. And uh, as we've seen, uh, sometimes the enemies are a little closer to home. 
Now, the military routinely checks service members for extremist connections, and service members were found to have been at that pro-Trump rally on January 6th, but there's still no telling about exactly how many were in attendance. Back to you in the studio. All righty. So, Katia, there you go. Now, you work in the area, the Washington, D.C. area. You have to live there with all of this. And two things I'd like you to discuss. Uh, number one, how worried are people? I know you're keeping your ear uh, to the ground on, on what's happening. And how concerned are people who live and work in the, the, the greater D.C. area about what potentially could happen? And secondly, um, the militarized Washington, D.C., and the impact, the practical impacts that have on people like yourself and others who live and work in the D.C. area, Katia. So we are, WPFW is right at 20th and K, uh, literally kind of in the, in the middle of things. The uh, Lincoln Memorial is uh, at 17th and Constitution, and it's walking distance from our office. Um, I've been downtown several times now since the militarism began, and there are scores of National Guard and uh, police, metropolitan police vehicles blocking intersections, um, creating a barrier to most of the city beyond, uh, below M Street, let's say. So you can't, like for us, many of our programmers, we have 80 programmers, many of them are older. They cannot make the walk from M Street up to uh, uh, 20th and K for the station. And on top of that, many of them are, and these are men and women that, you know, I've known for decades. Many of them are really scared about what could happen. Um, I was, I've been talking to neighbors and friends that live in DC and everyone, the city feels very much on edge. And it's two things. It's the presence of, you know, large Humvees blocking the roads. And then you have a national guard or two national guards with their, their um, weapons in front of them as if they are at the ready to fire if need be. Um, that, as you can imagine, is quite disconcerting. But it's also not knowing who these guards and these police officers are because we know that law enforcement has been infiltrated. We've known that since the 2006 report, FBI report. So, And then the Brennan Center also wrote about the same thing, hidden in plain sight. So on two levels, um, Washingtonians are quite concerned. In terms of the practical impact, um, if you are a person that relies on bus service or metro service, or even frankly having to drive, you can't walk, um, it, it is a real inconvenience to get to work, to get to groceries, to get home, because really, literally at every turn, you just can't move. You can only get so far. Um, you can walk the city, but again, if you're impaired in somehow, some way, and you can't walk, it's a problem. I know for us, our um, the closest metro station we have now to the station is DuPont Circle. There are three others that are much closer, but they are all closed. But the, so that is one thing. It's several blocks to walk. And um, the other part of that is that if there are only certain stations open, that means that counter, I say counter protesters, because clearly I'm on the left, but these white supremacist Trump protesters would congregate at theoretically at the open stations after staying. And we saw this during the insurrection. Many of the people who protested and who reached the Capitol were staying in Fairfax, Virginia, staying in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. In other words, not staying in the city, but, but accessing the city 
via uh, metro. So that's another concern that you will be uh, caught and trapped in a, a group of um, these white nationalist, sometimes armed uh, groups, and, and your safety will be compromised. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the thing about it is in Southern California, we have already had um, that we know of, there may be more, two incidences of black people, one woman and one man in downtown L.A., um, attacked by uh, Trump supporters, including these uh, white supremacists, for no other reason other than the color of their skin. And Katia, we know that um, you're of African descent like I am, and black people generally, when we see law enforcement, a lot of times our reaction is concern, right? Your stress level goes up and, and you Absolutely. hope that you're going to survive the encounter while others may see uh, protection. So, you know, just tell us about that a little bit, because what sure. you d just described is alarming that you have these groups of people on public transport. And here you have black people and other people of color having to take public transport. The mayor in Atlanta, she had actually suggested that black people stay indoors over the, the next uh, few days. Katia. Right. Well, you know, Margaret, um, that is an interesting point. I approached one of the officers, and I have to tell you, every time I approach an officer, I my heart races a bit. I don't know what their reaction will be. And you can imagine now approaching a National Guard officer with their weapons drawn, you know, they don't know if I'm coming to harm them. They don't know, you know, they don't know anything about me except the fact that I'm African-American. I will say that I in all honesty, I usually try to ask questions of black officers when I see them. I do not approach often their white counterparts because um, I'm just not sure what will happen, what the outcome will be. And I will say in a city where black and brown people um, reside in large numbers, larger than some other cities, you know, we're like Chicago or Detroit or something, larger than some other cities, it is quite disconcerting. You know, I, I worry about my African-American nephew who has to travel back and forth to work. I, I worry about um, the children and even adults, African-American adults who have to travel back and forth to work. And let us not forget that many black and brown people rely on public transportation for their jobs. And they often have jobs where they just can't call out. If they call out, they'll be fired. It's just that simple. They they are not as fortunate as you and I are. And so um, the extra burden of having to figure out how you can get to work and really run this gauntlet to get the work to work, I, I see it as another injury to black people. You know, we have a black mayor here in D.C., uh, Muriel Bowser, who is now vowing to uh, keep us safe after this insurrection. But really, we were not kept safe by the police when we were out there protesting this summer. So black people, brown people, people of conscience know in their hearts that often the police are not for us. And um, that's kind of another layer on top of the militarization. I was joking. I, uh, I don't know if you know the singer Gregory Porter, but I was joking with a friend of mine. It looks like 1960-what in the streets of Washington, D.C. Yeah. And... Um, it just adds a, a, a level of burden and a, a level of um, discomfort on top of the, the things that we still see in this city, which is poverty and racism. And, of course, now we've added the militarism to the city. So we have 
all three of Dr. King's evils very present. Absolutely. And just finally, before you have to dash, Katia, I know you are involved in coordinating the Pacifica Radio's national broadcast. I think it'll be carried on three stations, including this one, KPFK, and also our affiliate stations, where Sojourner Truth is also heard, uh, covering the inauguration. Just tell us a little bit about that. What can our listeners expect, Katia? Certainly. Well, you know, again, Margaret, and we're so happy that you'll be joining us as well. Um, during our programming, um, during we, we decided to center the inaugural coverage in um, Dr. King, in the beloved community. So um, what we have here is uh, taken from his speech, the I Have a Dream speech, which is actually titled uh, Normalcy Never Again. That was the original title of the speech. So that is what we're calling our inaugural coverage, Normalcy Never Again. Uh, a Biden administration and the people's mandate, and um, they will hear a historical context of a neoliberal agenda, which is what we're moving back into. And um, for that, we have Gerald Horn, we have Dr. Chris, we have uh, Dr. Gerald Horn, we have Chris Hedges, we have Andy Z. Um, for then, of course, we will have we will be carrying live Biden swearing in and his um, acceptance speech. And then we will go to you, Margaret, as well as Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Barber and Julianne Malveau to talk about uh, what a moral mandate looks like and what the Biden administration truly needs to do to, to make people whole, the people whole, that is. Um, and then finally, we will uh, turn to what a people's mandate, visioning a people's mandate. And there we'll have uh, Linda Sarsour. We have a wonderful uh, young millennial um, activist, uh, the uh, CEO of the Georgia Project, the New Georgia Project, Ensei uh, Ufat, joining us. Um, we have Dr. James Early and uh, 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 Dr. Linda Carter joining us, and they will be talking about visioning a people's mandate. So, plus we'll have um, vignettes of people on the ground, what they're thinking, how they see the transformation of America happening, what their thoughts are. And we'll hear from our listeners. So we're delighted that you wow. agreed to join us and that our sister station is taking us. That's that's right. And that starts actually tomorrow right after Sojourner Truth goes on, on yeah. the air at, at 8 tomorrow morning. So thank you for your work and thank you so much for joining us, Katia. I look forward to working with you tomorrow. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure.